You're listening to Red Nation Online. You're listening to the Paul James on Soccer Podcast. Commentary and analysis by Paul James, former Canadian soccer player, television analyst, coach, and member of the Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame. Well, here we are back with another episode of the Paul James on Soccer podcast, and it continued to be a very busy week for Toronto FC, while the Vancouver Whitecaps got a rare weekend off. Last Wednesday marked the first leg of the Canadian Championship final between TFC and the Whitecaps, in a match that Vancouver dominated, but that Toronto ultimately came out of with an away goal advantage in a 1-1 draw. Paul, let's start off by talking about your thoughts on the Neutralite Championship opening leg. Uh, personally, uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was a great game from uh, an entertainment standpoint. And I'm just going to repeat what other people have said, really, that um, Vancouver would be uh, very disappointed that they, uh, they haven't scored at least another goal. I mean, they should have scored three or four as you allude to there, and, uh, you know, I, I would say that they, rightly so, would be disappointed. But it, it did show the way that Toronto FC, um, with, through Aaron Vinter, have set themselves up. You know, they were struggling. They had heavy legs. They couldn't get going. They were dominated at times in the, uh, in the midfield. But they still, you know, to me, they always look dangerous. They always look, and it might just be for a few minutes, you know, here or there, but you, you always feel that they're going to pull something off in that counter-attack position and it's because they've got quick sharp players and a few players that are game breakers that can uh, can finish you know it was an opportunist uh, goal i liked the uh the Sulzma. you know he's uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody had a perfect game for uh, for tfc no matter which way you look at it there was no uh, no truly uh standout stefan fry was the usual uh, stefan fry and uh, but aside from that, it was um, it was a poor performance by them. But they come away, and you earn your luck in those situations. Vancouver will be disappointed. I was impressed with them. I thought it was an exciting game, and uh, you know I think uh, it 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 builds up for this game uh, on on Wednesday. Now, as uh, I would say, since the tournament has began, that this is the most exciting game uh, in terms of anticipation prior to the game that there's been. And I think that's an indication of uh, the growth of the professional game now in Canada. Given that the Whitecaps could have scored four or even five goals by finishing their chances, you know they could have closed off the uh, closed off the championship right there in that game, and they didn't. What psychological effect does it have for Vancouver that while they dominated, TFC were basically the team that came out of the opening round with the away goal advantage? Yeah, well, it's an interesting question. I think TFC obviously will be uh, will be pumped up. Um, coming home, but uh, but they won't take they can't take Vancouver lightly in, in any way, shape, or form. They know that, so it's a great balancer for them. The psychological effect on Vancouver for that you need to listen to their players uh, and the coaching staff after the game. And um, I think they've got a great attitude. Uh, they're disappointed, but they make no excuses. They just get on with it, and and clearly on a character level. Uh, they've done a good job in building the right uh, set of uh, players. A bit disappointed with David Chiamento coming out being a little bit negative and suggesting things. I'm surprised at that because they seem to be running a tight ship in Vancouver. But there's no excuses. I think they uh, they recognise they they could have uh, scored a few more goals, but they haven't had luck. To be honest, when when I 
review some of their games now, and particularly that game, you have to say that it, uh, you could you know, pure there. The merit should have uh, maybe got uh, over the ball and headed it uh, on target. But uh, they had some bad luck. And uh, things over a season and maybe over this tournament will balance themselves out. But their psychological approach going is fantastic. And it's based on what the comments of the players, they, they're not panicked at all. They recognize the, what the job they've got to do. And they're upbeat and positive. And you get that when you have a, the right set of players that have got good characters. If you just need to rewind and go through the history of Toronto FC and you can see the, uh, the difference is a big difference. Vancouver had the weekend off in terms of their MLS schedule and they will have had a full week off before the kickoff of the second leg on Wednesday at BMO Field. Given that Toronto had to play a league match on the road on Sunday, how much of an advantage does Vancouver have, at least in terms of fitness and having had time to let some injuries heal? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a slight advantage, but it's, it's automatically neutralized by the fact that uh, they're playing away. And what really surprises me is from what I hear, they're coming in on, uh, on Monday night, or they came in, I should say, on the Monday night and you know, I, I'm not so sure that was uh, worked out as well as it could be. Just knowing the difference, you know, so that gives them a, a one day to train and they play the next night uh, with the time difference, heavy legs and just getting there. I think that um, I, I personally, as a coach or a manager, would have uh, come in that extra day on the weekend, maybe on the Sunday. But, uh, you know, I, I would say that it's um, that the resting part is, is good for them. They're going to be fresh. They're going to have the legs. They're going to be able to uh, endure any of, uh, of the attacking uh, pressure that they're put under by TFC at the beginning. But, um, but overall, I would say it would be neutralized immediately because Toronto was playing home. And also, Toronto didn't have a full-strength uh, team against Colorado, so they had a few players like De Guzman at home uh, resting themselves. So uh, it's a great matchup, you know, really well-balanced, and um, can't wait for it. A couple of weeks ago, I asked you to pick a winner for the Canadian Championship, and you picked TFC. Um, after seeing the first leg, are you still standing by that pick? Yeah, I'm not going to change. Uh, I'm not going to change my mind, and uh, you know, I'm just hoping for a really good game. And um, but I will stick by uh, TFC on this. I think they've got the uh, the edge playing home. So moving on to the MLS, Toronto delivered a pretty impressive league performance against the Colorado Rapids in a scoreless draw on Sunday. It was the first time the team kept a clean sheet on the road this season. What, if anything, does that say about the progress the team is making? And what was your general assessment of TSC's performance? Yeah, I, to be honest, I liked them. I thought they were okay. Uh, Colorado overall had uh, most of the possession, but uh, Toronto FC set them up, set themselves up well. And when you go into altitude, and there's no way of preparing altitude unless you, you live there like Colorado, so that Colorado has a huge advantage. And it's not just the, the, the lungs and your capacity you know, to exert energy in that environment if you're not prepared for it physically in altitude prior to going in. It's also the, the movement of the ball. And clearly you could see that and it affected both teams, uh, ironically, which shouldn't really thank uh, uh, Colorado. But Toronto FC definitely did. Uh, they overhit their passes at times and uh, the touch was a little bit off at, uh, at key moments. But overall, if you do an objective assessment of that uh, game, Toronto FC, in my opinion, had the two best chances, you know, and, um, and, and they, could have, they could have nicked that game. Overall, tactically, it's not about the system now, it's about the tactics they went in. When they could, they could get numbers forward in high press, they did, but most of the time they dropped off and it was the right uh, setup. And, he, and when you set up that system so you concede space, 
in front of you and make yourself uh, lock tight at the back in the midfield and, up fr and, and in the forwards when you've dropped in that position. So you, you're locked solid there, and they were. And Colorado, because they're a little bit more direct, they have that uh, British-type coach, they couldn't break them down. And as a result of not being able to do that, they were vulnerable. They always look vulnerable, Colorado, to the counterattack by, uh, by TFC. And that, to me, is excellent coaching. And overall, the decoy Williams, I think, as the fans have uh, noted, uh, um, looks good, is, is, is decent. I, uh, I like uh, the Eckersley, again, as, as pointed out by Vinter, but uh, I think legitimately so. I mean, he was good defensively 1v1. He's quick and sharp and looks to get forward. So overall, I would say, I, I, you know, the, the very best game in the MLS this year will be Toronto FC Colorado. I don't think so in terms of aesthetically watching the game. But overall, if you're a, if you're a hardcore supporter, you have to come away from that and say that was good performance, good result. With Julian de Guzman suspended due to an accumulation of yellow cards and Jacob Peterson and Tony Tachani nursing injuries picked up against Vancouver, Toronto fielded a makeshift midfield consisting of Mikhail Urosowski, Nathan Sturgis, and Alan Stevanovich in more of a holding role than we've previously seen from him. What did you make of how Mikhail, Sturgis, and Stevanovich played? I think they did well. I really do. I think they kept their, they kept their, their shape and, uh, and they worked. They were uh, collectively worked together well, and they got forward at the right times. The Jarowski is, uh, for me, uh, a very interesting player now that I've seen him play, uh, play you know, 10, 11 games, and, and certainly in the midfield. I mean, he's quick, he's sharp, he's athletic. He's annoying. You know, he, he annoys. When you look at him get uh, brought down, I mean, he's, he always looks like he's throwing up his arms and he's having a little moan. And, uh, you know, so normally that kind of play would, uh, would, would annoy me as a coach. And I think sometimes when you watch them on TV, you're going like, uh, you know, quiet and down. And, but overall, you've got to, you know, that's his personality. And, and so when you have a personality like that and they've got a bad character, you move them out. But I think his character is good. I think he's probably an entertaining guy and quite funny off the field. But, uh, but watching him, I thought he was a threat. He's quick and he's sharp and he's technically good. And uh, I thought he did a really good job. And so that was, that was impressive. Nathan Sturgis was, uh, was steady. Uh, but collectively, them as a group and with the team, I thought defensively, they, uh, they did a, a really, really good job. And, and, and overall, um, if I compare it to last year with, with Prakey, TFC have uh, definitely a better team. There's no doubt about it. Moving off the pitch, Toronto FC announced last week that the organization has parted ways with three academy players, Kevin Alleman, Dino Gardner, and Jonathan Lau, with the official word being that the players did not want to commit to TFC and want to pursue opportunities overseas. Alleman was one of the most impressive players for the Canadian U-17 national team that recently qualified for the U-17 World Cup, and it leaves me scratching my head a little bit that they would let him go without a fight. Uh, Carmen Asako, who you know very well, was on the soccer show with Nigel Reed and Bob Arushi last Thursday night, and he made some interesting comments on how the contracts for TF TFC youth players are not always competitive, and that what TFC demands in terms of loyalty from the players is not always consistent with what the organization shows back to them. What did you make of the academy players' announcement and Carmen's comments? Uh, well, I think first of all, the uh, whenever they, uh, whenever a team and a club makes an announcement like that, I mean, it, it definitely leaves question marks and uh, rightly so I, I think the the side now that you look at is if somebody like Alman goes away to Europe and, and makes it and signs a big contract so it'll be 
becomes you know incredibly successful you know how can that be or, or even worse I suppose for uh, for uh, and I mean worse from the perspective of Toronto FC losing out on that development of that player or being able to facilitate him going on clearly that would be great for him and great for the country but uh, if he was to now go sign with another MLS team in Canada i.e. Montreal uh, or Vancouver, then that would really put a huge question marks over the Toronto FC organization and what they're doing with their, their strategy for keeping players. Because clearly, you know, you do need uh, to keep those those players and and give them the opportunity. And I think I, I think for Canadian soccer in general, for them to move, uh, you know, to Europe if they're good enough at the right time. But in the interim, to be able to play for the club, you cannot lose top quality players. And TFC, as we know. Uh, through Bice uh, Alderton, um, you know, and uh, and uh, I forget the other player. It's just uh, got off my mind. Russell Tiber. Uh, yeah, uh, Tiber. It's it's you know you can't lose those players. Like they've been lost to Vancouver. So there's question marks, and I think the question marks need you know to uh, to to be asked. Now Carmen is saying that it's uh, about the uh, the contracts. Maybe so. If it is, then then clearly. Uh, TFC need to get that sorted out, but we, we're not privy to everything here, you know. And Aaron Vinter, it was very interesting. He was on TSN radio show, uh, I think, about a week ago uh, with Gareth Wheeler, and he was talking about the, the problems that he has had uh, since he has been here uh, with uh, Nana um, um, Atacora, Dwayne Di Rosario, and and Adrian Khan. You know, if you go back to to when. Uh, Tita Thoritson came into Vancouver within within a couple of months or maybe even a month he got rid of what would be classified of three players that would still really be there now you know including uh, Alfredo uh, Valente and Kindel he moved them out straight away and they were top uh, sort of flight players from uh, from a status perspective in, in Vancouver there comes a time uh, Preki came in last year moved out Adrian Soro and moved out Ali Gerber you know within minutes there has to be, we have to look at other things. I know Carmen was very strong about the swagger of players. You know, he was talking about Almond has got the swagger and there's a time we need to look for the swagger. But uh, to be fair to Carmen, Carmen was just part of the under-20 team that didn't qualify for the second time in Canada. It, 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 there's a limit on the swagger that we need to have and the swagger cannot trump what the, the character of these players are. And there's something amiss at Toronto FC, there's, there's no doubt about it. And the reason I've just mentioned all those players and all that thing is that we're not privy, we're not privy to what uh, ultimately Aaron Vinter sees as far as what he wants in that academy. So it might be based on some character things that he sees. It might be based on, as Carmen suggests, it might be a contractual thing. But, uh, but I, I have another thing out there too, and, and Carmen mentioned about the staffing there, and, and I, I was a bit disappointed with Carmen doing it so, quite so overtly, because it sounded to me very political in what, in, in what Carmen said there, is when he mentioned the, the Toronto FC Academy staff. In my opinion, there is better people out there that you should have in those positions. You know, and it's not not all of them. Jason Bent, uh, I believe, is not part of it now. He's part of the, the coaching staff, and I think that that is that is good. It's no problem to include, I suppose, Jimmy Brennan and uh, and Danny Dicchio right from playing into some capacity, but to put them right into coaching positions, you know, I think it's okay. It's no problem, I suppose. But if you really truly want to be great, and if Toronto FC 
want to be a great organization, from a, from a technical winning perspective, you have to hire great people. Bottom line, you can't be great if you're, if you're going to have people in there or everybody that you've got in there, you're tutoring. You know, and this is not a knock at uh, Danny Dickio because your next player needs to be given the opportunity. It's, it needs to be in the, in the right positions. Or Jimmy Brennan, you know, that, uh, that goes in and he's immediately the under-17 coach of the academy. There needs to be cutting teeth at other levels. And, it, and if you can get somebody to run that, that organization, which is the academy setup, that, uh, that has first-class credentials from Europe or, or in Canada, then those are the ones that should be that should be in those positions because that is what that is the history for you you know in the future it is your future is what you do with the academy and if you invest in it you need to invest in the top flight people and Carmen in my opinion is the perfect guy for those kind of uh, for those kind of things he could actually probably do the York University job and still be involved with the academy but he's not and I think until they begin to understand that and they begin to start doing those things. To me, Toronto FC's problem could well hinge on the fact, when you talk about academies and you talk about players and missed, it's the fact that they've organized themselves like a microcosm of what Canadian soccer is. It's that it's a political thing. It's that you don't always get your best people in those positions because it's political. You know, it's not a meritocracy if the top people get there because some top people just don't want to be political. And I think that that is, uh, is probably closer to the truth than all the other things that have been, that have been thrown out there. I mean, you know, you've got the, the Russell Tebert, as we said, and the Bryce Alderton going from here to Vancouver. There is a reason why that is. And I don't think it's so simple. You know, this is MLS. There's a, a salary cap on, on all players. And there's a limitations. It's great for competitive uh, balance in the league. It's great for parity in the league, but it is restrictive. So it can only be so much. What, what Carmen says about the contractual things and the loyalty, and uh, you know, and I, I hired Carmen at, uh, at, uh, at York. He did a fantastic job, and uh, and still does. And and uh, for me, you know, he is uh, he is somebody that should be and will over time uh, develop himself into be, uh, to be a leading coach at uh, hopefully the national team level and, and hopefully in the professional game and hopefully it's in Toronto or, or somewhere in Canada or somewhere in North America. But along the way, even Carmen you know, will, uh, will begin to feel, and I'm sure when he went through the under-20s being an assistant coach, that, uh, that he has to have learned some lessons there, you know, even though he was the assistant, about what it really truly takes as far as uh, the full balancing of players which is about the, uh, the confidence and technical ability. There's no doubt in modern day football you need that, but uh, not at the uh, expense of having the right approach and character. That's why I like Aaron Vinter. I think Aaron Vinter, you know, he's growing on me. He's made some mistakes clearly in some of the selections that he's made, but he's dealing with a very difficult league. He's dealing with circumstances that are unbelievable. He hasn't, uh, you know, coached as being the head coach in an environment you know, quite like this before, and I, I think it's his first head coaching position anyway that we that we that we know, and so he's done a. He, I, I think he's done a great job, and, and and it's because he is setting out his store on how you deal with players and player attitudes, and how you deal with the character, how you deal with things professionally. This is about MLS coming into Canada seven or eight years ago was about professionalizing soccer in Canada. With, with our attitude and our mentality. And coaches that have come in from the outside are showing us why. 
we give players opportunities at that level, Canadian players, if they're good enough, and good enough in all components, not just in uh, in striking a ball, but in all components. You know, I, I thought Nigel Reed did a good job in poking Carmen there to get more out of him, because Carmen was saying about you just can't, you know, you've got to give all these players, uh, all the young players, a chance. Yes, uh, to a point, and that point is they've got to be good enough to be given the chance. And so along the way, I think that the soccer show did a great job here the other day in discussing it, but there's some real things to be learned. And for me, Aaron Vinter, he's growing on me. He really, really is. And I, I would say if there's ever a time to be patient with a coach, it's this one. Because I think he knows his stuff. He might, you know, have uh, other things up his sleeve and what he's going to be doing, uh, you know, in, in, in year two. But uh, overall, I like him. I thought he's done a good job. Well, the Vancouver Whitecaps had a weekend off to lick their wounds. The upcoming week looks to be a make-or-break one for the team with both the Canadian Championship at stake and the club still looking for its second MLS win following its opening day victory against Toronto FC. Um, and there's been discussions around the blogosphere and on discussion boards around the idea of relieving Whitecaps head coach Teeter Thorson of his duties. As a former head coach yourself, and given that Vancouver is an expansion franchise, do you think that kind of talk is premature? Yeah, it absolutely is. And it's, I think it's a discussion thing because we're looking for, they're probably looking for answers. And you can't, you can't be critical of how Vancouver ultimately have, uh, have played throughout their season here. You cannot be critical if you're a fan and say, well, we haven't got value for money or entertainment. If you go back to some of the, the, the seasons we're trying to have seen, it was chaos. That isn't the case in Vancouver. You have to say they were unlucky the other day, and there's been some other games where they've been unlucky. And if you do it on the percentages of wins, ties, and losses, you know their percentage is you know not too bad. But it's the wins that are killing them because of the three-point system, and 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 you know it's premature. And I would say the problem is and was last year at, uh, at the Globe again. I wrote a, an article when they decided to to give him a one-year contract. I thought it was a poor decision. Out of, out of many decisions that Vancouver have made that I think have been very, very good. But this one was a poor one, and that was to give uh, Tita Thornton a one-year contract because now they have a dilemma. You know, Vancouver now is in a situation where they've done reasonably well. They've, uh, they're battling. You can clearly see that they're entertaining. You can clearly see they've got good character within their, within their team. There's not disharmony. They keep going. They're in the, the, the final of uh, the N NCC uh, uh, Cup, and they could win it. But, but all of a sudden, people are calling for the head coach. And, and just look, you only got to watch Tita Thornton after the game and during games and his, his, uh, the way he handles himself is absolutely fantastic. I mean, there is one almighty chasm between Tita Thornton from background and from how he sets him up as, himself up as a professional uh, than, than a John Carver or Chris Cummins. Again, with no disrespect to those guys, but there's one almighty difference. And you should not be putting uh, your... your your head coach in that position to now where Tommy Sohn and Bob uh, and Glenn Anderson are sitting down and thinking, well, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to pull the trigger? If they pull the trigger, I think it would be way, way, way too early and premature. And if they're going to do it, it should be after the second year and say, okay, fair enough. Now we know where we're at. And even then, I think that somebody like uh, Tito Thornton, uh, you know, deserves to be in that organization. I'm, I'm sure they're gonna, they would keep him around in the organization because he's quality. He's got, uh, you know, real good uh, background, and you've just got to be around him and see him in the way that he works. When he came in, he sorted out uh, uh, their, their club very well, and in the end, they uh, they won the league. 
And so that's what I would say. And also, there's the thing of when people come in from the outside of our, of our country, come into our country, there has to be a sort of uh, humbleness about the fact that you're coming into Canada. Whereas, you know, there have been other coaches that have come into our country and have just taken it for granted, in my opinion. And, uh, and, and certainly that's not the case with him. I think he's a first-class coach. I think he's done a good job here. And they're still in the mix. And who knows, they might win Wednesday. Stephen Hart and the CSA have announced the roster for Canada's team at the 2011 Gold Cup, and it didn't contain any major surprises. A number of players from the MLS were selected along with the Europe-based players that have made up the core of the team over the last year or so. Both Dwayne De Rosario and Ali Gerba were selected, and Julian de Guzman was the only selectee from the TFC. Terry Dunfield got the call from Vancouver, and Mike Kukowski was selected, even though he's currently without a team. Two omissions that stood out for most people were Ian Hume and Paul Stalteri. Paul, let's finish off this episode of the Paul James on Soccer podcast by getting your initial thoughts on Canada's roster for the Gold Cup. Yeah, well, let's just address Ian Hume and Paul Stalteri. You know, I think that Ian uh, Hume, I'd be disappointed with. I like Ian Hume, but uh, you know, times change a little bit. He's playing at a level that maybe not is, is can't match some of the other players. I still like his uh, his. Um, character and passion of how he plays but um, you know I think that's a reasonable decision for for uh, Stephen Hart. Paul Stolteri I think uh, speaks speaks for itself he hasn't been playing regularly or, or at all and uh, you know he's an aging player now so I think that's uh, those are reasonable not really controversial or uh, really tough decisions you know for me there's, there's I, I think you, you know your listeners would um, will probably know I mean there's players there that I, uh, I would I would not select at this stage if I was Stephen Hart, and uh, and yes, it goes back to to the character um, of a few of those players. They just wouldn't be if I was the head coach of Canada. They just would not be in my squad at this stage because their time is up as far as the chances that they've had. It doesn't matter if they're performing well now. It doesn't matter what their background is. But if Canada wants to qualify, if Stephen Hart wants to qualify this team for the World Cup. He is going to need something special, and you get that special out of players as a group when you make tough decisions along the way. It empowers them. You know, and no disrespect to Stephen, I have not seen him make a crucially tough, tough decision yet. It's the nice guy syndrome, and it's the, it's the tougher, edgy coach syndrome. And any person, you know, let's go to Obama, in the United States, let's exaggerate this a little bit, but if you're in a position of leadership, you need to make tough decisions. Bottom line, you can't go through and be a nice guy to everyone every single year and expect to achieve outstanding results. And outstanding results for the Canadian World Cup team is qualifying for the, for the, for the World Cup uh, in Brazil in 2014. And so I'm disappointed with, so, with some of those selections. I'm not going to say who. And I'll say this about Julian de Guzman. Julian de Guzman's done decent at, at Toronto FC. Patrice Bernier's not available. So I actually would now at that stage include Julian de Guzman, but I wouldn't have other players around him because of, as I've said in previous pod- podcasts, of the clique-type mentality. You know, Again, it's about the Josh Simpsons of the world that you need to, and the world chances of the world, that that is where your leadership comes from and the thread comes from those guys and Atiba Hutchinson's. But you cannot get that to the full top shelf if you have other players that feel that they're better, that feel that they're the best person that's in there and they're doing us almost a favor to be there. And it's, it's in the media all the time when we do, 
really don't get to the heart of the matter without the, using a pun with Stephen there. We really don't. It's an important tournament, but it's not as, as important as the World Cup qualifying uh, games. And to do that, in my opinion, you need momentum, and you need momentum from attitude and character that everybody knows. Again, look at Aaron Vinter, how he does it. If you don't perform well, you don't play. And if you've got a bad character, see you later. Keita Thorntonson did the same thing. You move them out. And I know people are going to say, but this is Canada. We just don't have the depth of talent. Okay, then I, I don't buy that. I buy that you have enough players that you will be able to produce the best performance that you can if you stick by those principles. And so I, I'm a little bit disappointed. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's our national program. I want them to do well. It's got no agenda for me as far as anything outside of our Canadian team doing as best they possibly can. And with Stephen Hart, I think Stephen Hart, as I said, in Europe, he's done a he's done a really good job with some of those games. But they haven't included some of these players that he's just brought back in. It's disappointing for me, but I but I wish them the, the best. And I really uh, you know, want us to uh, to do well in the Gold Cup, but, but much more importantly in the World Cup qualifying. If you have questions that you'd like Paul to address please send your email to pauljames at rednationonline.ca.